BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. Remember to subscribe. We drop new episodes every Tuesday. So see you then. Welcome to Real Pod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Oh, so we're getting deep, huh? I really cried for 12 days straight. Why do I want to be perfect? There's nothing in my life that is perfect. Every week, I'll bring you honest, unfiltered, and eye-opening conversations to help uncover the real in all of us. I crave the type of content that you're talking about. I actually felt insecure. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Let me just unload everything. (laughs) New episodes every Wednesday. Leave those filters at the door because it's time to get real. Yay. Oh my gosh. I am so excited that this conversation is finally out into the world because I have not, I truly have not stopped thinking about it since we had it. Well, first of all, let me introduce our amazing guest today. His name is Jeffrey Saad. Not only is he an amazing celebrity chef who was a runner-up on the next Food Network star, as well as the host of Spice Smuggler that previously ran on the Food Network, as well as United Tastes of America that ran on Cooking Channel, and a badass in real estate at Compass in Beverly Hills. But Jeff Saad is my mom's best friend. So I have known Jeff pretty much my whole life, as well as his wife, Nadia, and his kids. And he has just always been someone who was different. And I mean different in like the best way. And you'll hear um, as you begin listening to this conversation that Jeff is just a special and inspiring person. And I've always wanted to sit down one-on-one without my mom, not at a family gathering, and just connect with Jeff and hear about his life and what makes him the way that he is. And I thought, well, if Jeff and I are going to go to coffee or we're going to meet up and talk, why not do it in the studio and record it so that everyone else can benefit from Jeff's wisdom? Truly, I don't think this conversation could have gone any better. I have been left tremendously inspired and I hope that you will too. I have no doubt that you will too. So we're going to dive right in. Before we do, I just want to welcome you to RealPod if you've never listened before or welcome you back if you are just every Wednesday, you know, press and play, hearing what we've got going on. Thank you so much for listening to the show. It truly means the world. I would love to hear from you if you want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or you want to just rate the show wherever you listen. All of that support really helps a lot. And you might be the special shout out on next week's episode like Chelsea C. What's up, Chelsea C? She left a five-star review that said one million out of 10. Okay, Chelsea, I love the enthusiasm. She wrote my favorite podcast by far. I love the realness, encouragement, and energy Victoria gives. I listen to RealPod every morning when I'm getting ready and it really sets the tone and starts off my day on a positive note. Chelsea, I love that. Thank you for trusting me to help you kick off your day. I know what we do in the morning is really important and actually Jeff will talk about that a lot 
on today's episode. So without further ado, let's get started. Please help me welcome Jeffrey Saad. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. It's so cool to finally be here. I'm so happy to have you. I know both my parents are tuning in. <laughs> Jeff, my mom's best friend of over like 35 years now. Truly. I'm 56. We're 18 when I met her and loved her instantly. Can't believe that. Another episode, we're going to have to hear the Laney archive stories. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. R-rated. If you have a six-hour limit, we can do that. <laughs> but otherwise, you can't even begin to get Oh, my it. God. I love it. Well, I'm so excited because... I feel like you've been around my family, like in and out for so many years now. I've like known you ever since I was really little. And you've just always been someone who is so positive, so interesting, so outgoing, so personable. Like you make, I, like you're there, you're present. Thank you. And I, I don't know if you know this, but when I'm like at a seminar and like a meeting and someone's like, you know those people in life who are just like full of life and they're present. I always think like Jeff Saad is like oh, you're amazing. one Thank of the people you. that comes to mind. And so I've always wanted to like grab a lunch with you, grab a coffee and hear your life story and pick your brain. And I thought, why not do it on the podcast I so everyone else can benefit? Thank you. That is so awesome. I mean, I remember the first time I met you, you were like two years old and you came to the restaurant in San Francisco and you had pasta all over your face. <laughs> Already you were just like, consuming the world, ready to go. It was no, awesome. Nothing's changed. Yeah. Still pasta all over the face. <laughs> Speaking of me being a kid, I want to know, so where did you grow up? What were you like as a kid? What was the family dynamic? I, I want to kind of piece together what's made you the person you are today. Perfect. Let's start at the, that's literally starting at the bottom. We'll go from the bottom up. <laughs> Great. So, I mean, I felt blessed because there was wealth and we had things. And as a kid, it just felt like, woo, you know, but it wasn't a good environment. Truly. I think everything in life, you either you you either become the opposite of what you saw, and then there's other people that you want to mimic. Unfortunately, my childhood was mostly the opposite of what I ever want to be. But what I do do is I take the good from it. So we grew up in Chicago, in the suburbs, and, you know, big house, you know, cool neighborhood. And it seemed like at face value, you know, ooh, you know, perfect family, right? You know, belong to country clubs. Mom would pay golf. They'd drop us off at the pool two hours before the pool opened, by the way. So we're like, oh, the sod kids, there they are again. We're like sitting on the curb waiting for the <laughs> pool guy to let us in, you know. But I look back at the positive stuff. Number one, mom was always cooking. You know, I jokingly said in culinary school, wow, I realize now that she wasn't a good cook. She just cooked often. But at least she cooked, you know. So it inspired me to see ingredients and see food. And, and really, I give her a lot of credit for my love of food. And, you know, we had an open tab at the poolside bar. So when they'd get the bill, and there was 128 fudge sickles and 14 corn dogs a day. You know, it was like, ooh, I do love food. So, yeah. you know, but yeah, two sisters, one older, one younger. And, you know, a lot of joyful times, but, you know, peppered with a lot of drama. What was this drama? Well, the just to get right to it, I mean, you know, I'm six years old, seven years old. We're down at the breakfast table and all of a sudden our nanny, there's this horrific scream from upstairs and she finds my dad shot to death in bed and my mom goes on trial for it. And as a kid, all I remember is cameras and, and like we were being swept away to the neighbors and it was just, it, I, you know, it just was so wrong and you're, you're so upside down all of a sudden. And, and even as a kid, you're like, I remember facial reactions, you know, you just know this is not good. And she got off, let's just say it that way. But that was kind of the beginning of the end with, with the whole family dynamic. I've never had like a full conversation with my mom about this. I've, I think maybe bits and pieces over the years, yeah. you know, when you kind of detail this like picket fence family and like, if you box check, these are the things it's shocking to think such tragedy or such toxicity can exist in yeah. what's, you know, that American dream environment. Yeah, no, truly. And, you know, and it was, it would almost have been better to just have a really bad family, like right out of the gate, bad, all bad. Cause then you could just go, okay, I, let me adapt to this. But instead it was like this fluffy Christmas parties and cocktail parties, my mom, you know, baking. And then next thing, you know, you know, she's falling down the stairs, wasted and fighting with this guy that appears in our life, like weeks after my dad's murdered. And now this, guys in our house and like what is going on and you're you know? six six or seven yeah it was weird you know so what happens after that like who's who's home with you raising you guys are people explaining things to you I think we see that nowadays when kids are dealing with grief or tragedy a lot of parents trying to kind of rewrite the script of you know kids are smart 
the last thing we want to do is lie to them. You know, how were you talked to during this time? You know, it was just kind of like when you write a success book, you know, you write it the way you think it went or the way that it sounds good that it went. So I won't pretend to remember and know exactly how it went. But what I can tell you is definitely not like we'd handle it today. I mean, it was basically ignored. Like, let's not even talk about it, you know. And my mom was the biggest culprit because she did get off, you know. I mean, you know, there was a guy that testified that she tried to hire him as a hitman. Mm. And yet somehow she still was acquitted. And so it was really just like a don't talk about a thing. And my uncle was a genius because my uncle and my grandparents played it cool. And they were a great influence on us when we were young because you want to talk about a life lesson. She most likely murdered my father, their brother, their son. They never said a bad word about her. Never. Because they wanted to be a great influence on us kids. Mm -hmm. And they knew that if we came back saying anything, right, that she would just shut it off and not let them have any visitation at all. So it was a great life lesson on like, people will figure out on their own, you know? And sure enough, I'm 17, I'm 18. I had signed over all the money that was left to me because my dad was quite wealthy. I signed it all over to my mother because she was suffering. And, you know, she married a loser and they did loser things. But you know what? I'm a 17 year old and I still just wanted to love my mom, you know? So I signed over whatever money I had to her. And then shortly after that, I just started going, wait a second. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, talked to my uncle and he says, do you want to talk about this? And all these truths started coming out, but, but I had already figured it out on my own. And one of the biggest moments was like, it was close to when I met Nadia, you know, almost 30 years ago, maybe even a little before that. And I, and I reached out to my mom. I said, you know what? Let's all go rent a hotel in Mexico or something. The three kids and you, I want to hear everything from your side. I want to hear your side. I want to know it. I want to hear it. Like I'm open, you know, no response. I'll never forget that moment. You know, she didn't even come out when my daughter was born. And that's when, when Nadia was like, okay, maybe you're right. So I wrote a letter to my mom back then. And I said, you know, I don't want you in my life. It's too bad because you're my mother. I'll always appreciate the good, but like, I want my kids and me to be surrounded by joyful people. You know, as you know, better than anybody, you are like the sum of the seven people you spend the most time with, as they say. And I believe that, right? You either mm -hmm. rise to the occasion and thrive with people or they bring you down. I said, I don't want you in my life. Both my sisters said, can we sign the letter? <laughs> I want to say right away, if you ask me to change one thing about my life, I wouldn't. I love my life. So like, it's just got to play out the way it plays out, you know? So I feel like if you ask me how I feel after the story, if we stopped right now, I'd just say, I'm blessed. I'm the luckiest guy on earth. And here's the sad part. Two years ago, she dies, never even makes an attempt to reach out. Like you think, right? Like mm -hmm. that's when I knew for sure I made the right decision, right? Because you think on your deathbed, maybe you'd go, ah, let me touch base with the kids. My three kids. You know what I mean? Maybe, nah. <laughs> Instead, you know, another vodka soda and say goodbye. Don't ask me why, but literally months before she passed, I said to Nadia, tell me if I'm lying to myself. Tell me if I'm not being true to what I'm putting out. You know, am I going to be okay? you know, when she dies. I said, because I don't want to regret anything. I don't want to have, you know, because I don't even believe in like, you know, going to bed, even walking out the door mad. It just doesn't happen. She's like, well, you tell me. And I really sat with it and I thought about it. And I'm like, I'm good. And sure enough, when she died, I was like, I'm good. And I think what's hard there is society has told us how we're supposed to feel. Like in every movie played out with a similar scenario, the person has regrets. And, you know, there's these narratives about family where it's like, everything the opposite of maybe how you feel. And then you judge yourself for the fact that, you know what, you were fine and you stick to the decision you made. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. And I think, I think again, it was kind of a blessing because my, my theme song is, I can die at any given moment and I'll only have to say, thank you, I'm grateful and I'll go with a smile because I don't have any should have, would have, or could have. I have did. Maybe it failed, maybe it thrived, but I only have did. And that's, you know, and that goes to relationships too, like unspoken conversations. Like I'm the most transparent person you'll ever meet because I just think that's when great shit happens, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and even if it doesn't go the way you want, say it. This episode is brought to you by Nike. I mean, how cool is that? Okay. Nike knows that women are multidimensional and so are the ways we feel good in our bodies. So they've made their most meaningful investment in women yet with products that work for every woman, everybody, on every part of your movement journey. Y'all know my most recent solo episode that was brought to you by Nike, I was talking about getting back into the swing of workouts. I used to train all the time. Now I don't as much anymore. But 
everyone's going to be at a different place in their movement journey. And Nike has leggings that move with you and keep you feeling great no matter what sort of exercise you're doing. They have versatile bras and sneakers that let you flex to your fullest. So go ahead. You can reach further, stretch, push it during your run. Nike's got you. And to show you just how dedicated Nike is to making women feel comfy during movement and mindfulness, they performed thousands, thousands of body scans on actual women to engineer bras that provide all the support for the way we move. And speaking of comfy, I am currently, as I record this, wearing the Nike Zen V leggings. They feature the Infinilock fabric to lock you in so you can go the distance. I love them because they're like the perfect mix of athletic feeling leggings, but then also soft. You know how sometimes they're either like super athletic and they're not soft or they're super soft and you're like, I can't work out in these. The Nike Zenby leggings are the perfect mix. They're buttery soft and they provide gentle support that helps you unlock your every twist and turn. So head over to Nike.com today to discover all the ways that Nike helps you feel your all. Once again, that's Nike.com to discover all the ways that Nike helps you feel your all. Head over to Nike.com today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've been very open about the fact that therapy was a major, major part of my healing journey. Honestly, when I think about when I was feeling depressed and anxious in college, Therapy is the main thing that really helped me turn a corner. And look, whether you are in a similar place as I was, or you're just getting caught up in what everyone else needs and your needs are coming last, or you're feeling stressed at work, you're dealing with family or relationship issues, or you're just craving tools to help you lead a more balanced life, give BetterHelp a try. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Also, you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash realpod today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, better, H-E-L-P dot com slash realpod to get 10% off your first month. Betterhelp.com slash realpod what you just described. And then the fact that you're saying I'm the luckiest man alive and I would die happy right now. I mean, I, I maybe I haven't lived enough life. Maybe <laughs> I haven't read the books. Everyone wants to be happy. Everyone wants to be like you. And even today, I just I've been in a shitty headspace. I'm like, I could cry. And if I tried to think of the reason, I'd maybe be like, well, you know, these people in my life, like I would point a finger like What's wrong with me? Like, how, how can people be develop the mindset that you had? You know, funny enough, your mom was like a tipping point time period because I was in college and there wasn't a drug I wouldn't try. There wasn't a party I wasn't at, you know. Our was that coping? Oh, big time. Oh, I have no doubt. Looking back, one of two things was going to happen. I was going to die and I should have many times. I've crashed six motorcycles over hoods into windshields. I've done the drugs. I've, I mean, I, somebody wants me to be here. You know, and, you know, your mom could tell you some stories about her old crazy boyfriend and me on the motorcycle <laughs> and him jumping off the back of my motorcycle into her sunroof at 60 miles an hour. I oh, mean, like that God. was the life I was yeah. living. Yeah. So I think in a weird way, we were kind of emerging together, which what 18 year old isn't right. And I, and I was, I had a temper, you know, when I was 20, bad temper. Well, not that I'm happy that you had this temper and you yeah. did these things, but I think it does give perspective of like, it was a journey for you to be here. Oh Yeah. But I think the key to happiness and really loving your life is that no different than if you want to learn a language, it's a process and you have to work at it. I worked really hard at getting to a happy place. I'll never forget. I was in San Francisco. I opened my first restaurant. I still had that edge to me. I was 22 now, restaurant owner. And somebody, I wish I could reach out and hug them right now and thank them, recommended The Art of Happiness by the Dalai Lama. I kid you not, that book became my Bible. I have a copy of it. I should have brought it highlighted, torn pages. Like it turned into a manual for me. And I'm not kidding you. It was like the air coming out of a balloon that was about to explode. I just felt this sense of peace. And then I said, I like this feeling, you know? And then I found the woman of my dreams. You know, I had a, a motorcycle, a restaurant and a hot girlfriend. And then she became my wife. And I said, I'm on a new journey. Like I am going to fucking be everything I never wanted to experience as a kid. And then we had Isabella, you know, and I was like, 
They were like, sir, we need to give her shots. We need to take, <laughs> she's a newborn. I would not let her go, you know? And I had this sense of like, that's it. I have a whole new mission in life and I'm not going to mess it up. And then it, and that's what started my morning routine. Like back when I was early twenties, I would every morning get up really early. I wanted to beat the world awake so I could study and be a better person and, and figure more of this stuff out. And that's really a big part of what it's been. I relate to having a book that is extremely like instrumental, like this epiphany moment. Mine wasn't for happiness, but I read a book on called Breaking Free from Emotional Eating. Actually, my mom bought it for me when I was in my binge eating disorder. And I literally read this book in like 24 hours and I took notes and I highlighted and I literally felt like it was just like this. Yes, this is how I can have a healthy relationship with food. And I can remember like specific sentences or chapters. You know, I think it was like a precursor to the power of now and Eckhart Toll stuff. I love his stuff. Oh, another life-changing book. Like Yeah, A New Earth. The best. Oh my gosh, I think about that all the time. Yeah, and thanks <laughs> to his voice, I can fall asleep listening to it, <laughs> but it keeps soaking in. But I love what you said about highlighting and taking notes because that's how I treat a book. I always say, saying, oh, I read that book means nothing. It needs to go from knowledge, okay, I got it, to routine, I'm doing it regularly, and then it becomes a ritual. And that's when your life changes. You know, it's not about how many books are on the shelf. It's about how many of them have absorbed into your soul. How many of them has really changed your behavior, the way you think. And, and that's what it's been for me. You know, I, I challenge everybody, like, don't see how many books you can read. See how many books you can master. Find something that you believe in. And I literally, now that's why I love the iPad. If, if I have it right here, I, show, I can show it to you, like highlight after highlight. And what I do now is I just go reread my highlights, you know, but the, but to answer your question directly, the art of happiness, it was just about pause before reacting. Like the depth of a human being is, is partially defined by the time between perception and reaction, you know, and it's not the only person who can make what you just said to me, or he said to me negative is my perception of it. You know, nobody can make you feel bad. You make yourself feel bad by how you decide to take that information. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's made me deeply empathetic. I would say the art of happiness is about empathy because like all of a sudden now my theme song, and this is partially just getting old too. Like, you know, you see with the world, you, I see your flaws, but I don't see your struggles. So I will never judge you because it's way too easy to just point out flaws. Right. And we all have them. Right. But to understand the struggles behind some of these flaws, that's what makes you a deeper human being and, and makes you kinder. And that's what we all need, you know? Yeah. That's something that I've personally been working on. I, I heard this on another podcast and it said your first response is ego and your second response is your higher self. And I, I've been working on this with my therapist in like our last session. And I said to her, I'm like, I know, I feel feel it in my body when I clench up. Actually, my mom and I, speaking to my mom, everyone get ready. She shouldn't be a through line of the whole episode. My mom and I <laughs> were on you, a Lainey. walk. I love you, Lainey. And a, a difficult t conversation came up. And I think sometimes when you're with family, you get into the emotional patterning of like, this is just how I react with this person. Even though if it was a stranger, you would be way more mindful. And I just didn't like the way I was involved in the conversation because I had be probably overtaken by ego. And then I brought this up in my, to my therapist and I was like, I know it's happening. I could hit a button. It's not the lack of awareness. It's I cannot be stronger than it in the moment. And so she kind of helped me come up with this thing. She's like, well, what can you say or do in the moment to give yourself the time, the inhale, the exhale, the minute? And it was, I, I forget how we came up with this in the session, but she was like, you can put your hand on your heart and just say, you know what? I'm having a reaction and I just need to take a few breaths. And I just giggled because I was like, how hilarious to be in a conversation and say, I'm having a reaction, <laughs> but it's the most authentic thing. Like I am having a, a visceral reaction. So I actually, the other night was on a phone call with someone and something was said or happened. And then the phone call ended and I was like pissed. And then I was like, hand on the heart at a red I light. I love that lady I'm said having this. a reaction. <laughs> I love it. But you know what? Yeah. But that's what it is. We all have to create these buttons for ourselves. And for me, my button is repetition. I have a note in my phone. It says inspiration. And I'll be writing something down from listening to you today. I did from your other podcasts, from a reading a book, from everybody is a mentor. Everybody you ever meet, I don't care where they're at in life, they have something of value. And I reread that every single morning as part of my morning ritual. And so what happens, like, I think everybody should identify their superpower or at least the one they want to have. What's yours? Nothing bothers me. And that's not true, of course. I'll get bothered all the time. But you I'm like, would not be the chewer at the movie theater? Yeah. You would be amazed at how 
thinking about it and reading it every morning makes it absorb into you. It's no different than, you know, you start off como esta usted, you know, and all of a sudden after years of practicing, you're like, como esta, it becomes like natural in your soul. And it is amazing. I was with my French teacher the other day and I was, and I had the most proud moment because probably like when you put your hand and you go, I got it. I did this. You know, I caught myself. He's getting really annoyed with this waitress that's making noise with the dishes while we're trying to do our class. I didn't even hear it. I'm like, it doesn't bother me. I'm like, you know, to a point even where I was like, are you okay? You know, because like he was, it was consuming him, you know, but again, I think it's about repetition again, you know, reread it, find a way to have it just constantly be part of your life. I, I need to do that. And I've thought of it before because I'll hear something and then hear it again a year later and be like, oh yeah, that's, that's a good thing I should do. I forgot about it for 365 days. Yeah, especially you, because you're constantly changing lives and taking information and it's, it's hard to keep track of it all, but it matters. With relationships with people, how are you navigating the different types of friends in your life, the different type of people in your life who might disappoint you, might not call when you wanted them to call, might, how do you not let that make you feel upset? I mean, you can't let everyone just walk all over you. You know, I think it's, you know, another great book, Ego is the Enemy. Right. You've probably read that. If not, I haven't, but I need to. Oh, it's, we're going to get your book. It's another this seriously. End. It's another highlightable one because, man, I realize like how bad my ego was up until about four years ago, because it's always about that. And the power now, though, I, you know, again, I've read it a hundred times, but I took my son when he was in town. He was at the auditorium about, I don't know, was it six months ago or something? Eckhart Tolle. And even though I had read it a million times, the way he said it on stage, it was literally, I hate the words life changing, but it kind of was. He said, the problem with everything is adding storyline. If somebody didn't call me, that means they didn't call me. That's it. The second I start going, I wonder if it's what I said the other day or, wow, they're so rude. They don't even care enough. They know it's my birthday. You know, you, the second you add storyline, you're going downhill. And I always say to people, if you're going to add storyline, at least make it positive. You're making it up anyway, right? <laughs> Nothing exists except you and I right now talking. That's all there is in this world. The rest is a story or it's history. So I just have learned to not add any storyline, you know? And I, and I truly give people every benefit of the doubt. And I love the way you said walk all over it because I just don't see it that way anymore. I'm like, you know, like martial arts, just let it pass. Let yeah, it that's pass. like the ego voice, right? They're going to yeah. walk all over me. Yeah, no, and instead I'm like, I'm there for you. You know, I, I really, I told my son, like, with 40 years of martial arts, you know what the best move is? Hmm. A hug. <laughs> you counterattack with a hug, they're, they're defenseless. <laughs> they're helpless. Because a hug just takes away all that, you know? But you have to be willing to, want, to be the one that gives it. Like, my wife always gives, gives me a hard time because I'm walking down the street. I can't make eye contact with another human and not smile and say hello. But as you know, because of ego, because of busy lives, some people won't respond or they'll... And she's like, look at you, how stupid. I'm like, I don't feel stupid. Like, I made a connection. That's okay if they weren't there for the moment. How do you not after you know? that be like, oh my God, that was so embarrassing and awkward. That's how I feel. Because I look at it as like, you know, again, my, the biggest fear in my life is to be in the middle. I want to fail, fail often, fail fast, or I want to fly and soar. I don't want to be stagnant. In the middle is death. And I think if you, if you hold back on doing things because you're fearing the outcome, you don't have a chance. I mean, look what you've accomplished at your age. I mean, clearly you get that. Like, go, let's just do this. I'm not going to worry about how it comes out because I'll be able to say, I did it, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's the joy. My re last restaurant failed so hard. I mean, we're in the middle of a busy rush and it was full, you know, it was always full for like an hour. So if you only came for dinner, you'd think I was successful. But I'm, I said, Anadi, isn't this great? Like I'm talking to all these people about the special, they're loving the food. She goes, no, it's not great. We're losing tons of money. Kids aren't <laughs> going to be able to go to college. I'm like, okay, Mrs. Uptight. You know? <laughs> but it was a wake up call because like, you know, I was, and I still to this day, even though it took us years to dig out of it, I have no regrets because I loved the journey. And that's what I tell the kids. Like, if you make it about the outcome, you're in big trouble because then you only have one choice. It's got to go well. Mm -hmm. If you love the journey, then the outcome's just a by the way. So what about feeling misunderstood? I think this has to walk hand in hand is a lot of people just aren't going to get you because you're also putting the period, you know, you're not going to feel the need to explain and vouch for yourself and, you know, whatever. So how do you go through life okay in knowing that there are people who just won't get you. They won't like you. They won't vibe with you. They might not agree with what you're saying. I think also just with so many eyes on me online, 
it is so hard for me. Like my people pleasing has gotten worse. I want to avoid any backlash at all costs. Like I would rather be in the middle and run under a rock than face <laughs> maybe 10% of people saying this wasn't it. Yeah, that's that's interesting because you, I mean, you have saved lives. I know you know that. I mean, like what you have done is amazing. So to me, again, that's what I would focus on. One of my favorite sayings is what other people think of me, it's none of my business. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just not, you know, and, and I really believe this. Like if you don't want to be my friend or you don't get me, that's okay. You know, there's other friends and like, it's not, there's no need to force anything. But my closest friend who I just got back from Seoul, Korea with last week of 30 years, he used to tell me, ah, he's Italian. Ah, the first two weeks I met you, I said, who is this guy? This can't be real. I don't trust him. I don't trust, you know, he like was like, it just didn't seem right to him that I was, you know. So optimistic. Yeah. He's like, there's something, you know, or I've met people like. But it, what, you know what? People, you do probably piss people off because they're triggered because they're so unhappy. There's some of that too. I'm sure there's some of that, that too. That they can't stand a happy person. I think for me, it's, I get very, that's something I'm working on is I get triggered by people who don't just identify their problems and fix them. Right. I cannot, like, it's so hard for me when my friends want to sit in like misery for year after year after year. I'm like, yeah, identify, fix. Yeah. I'm not good with the victim thing at all. My kids know that. And I've, I've had to work on that too, by the way, because it's like, everybody has to have their thing and go through it. But to me, like, it's never about what happened. It's about what are you doing starting today? So like, yes, you know, like I, I had a really good friend and we're not friends anymore, which honestly, I've maybe, that's not true that we're not friends. We're gonna have dinner this summer, but we're not like we used to be. Sure. But I would say there's almost nobody in my life that isn't part of my life anymore. But with him, it was tough because he, all he did was regurgitate his, the bad stuff. Right. And as you know, from talking to so many people and being so inspirational, some people, that's their identity. And that's what I've learned is like, like the bad stuff, it gets to be an identity that they're comfortable with. And to not be in that place, it's almost like they have nothing to say. Right. I, I see that with people struggling sometimes with certain mental health issues. It's, you, it does become such a part of your personality and your storyline. And when you don't, you haven't done the ego work yet, you're not aware of the stories you tell yourself. And so then you don't believe you could be someone beyond the story. Yeah. And I'm just a huge fan of, again, the power of now, like, you know, it, even with the kids and stuff, when stuff goes wrong, it's like, it's okay. We don't need to talk about what happened. It's over. What are we doing starting today? Mm -hmm. How are you going to be 1% better starting today? Like what's today look like? That's what we got. Let's go, you know, and just make, even if it's tiny progress. And that's, by the way, I believe in tiny progress. Another book, Kaizen, you know, is the most brilliant book. You know, it's about getting 1% better every day. So what about validating emotions and allowing yourself to live in the grief or live in the sadness? That has to come up, obviously. Oh, you know, listen, I have cried like, I, I truly believe you can't hold anything in it, it because it will come out. It just may not be the way you want it to. So I'd rather just get it out. And that's something I had to learn, by the way. And you know what's funny? You know where I really learned that the most? Hmm. On the next Food Network star, I was like, I was kind of like, you know, the behind the scenes was they were liking me less because everything was perfect and I wasn't opening up about anything, you know? And, and, and I really believe that like, well, you know, everything's good. It really was. But I realized you do need to expose your flaws. Like people like you better because then you feel normal, you know? And, and I, ever since then, if something's bothering me or something's going on, you know, but also I, I got to tell you too, the truth right here on this podcast. Sometimes I feel guilty that I don't feel bad mm -hmm. or that I don't have, and like, I feel like I've worked it out. You know, I'm always going to make mistakes and have issues, but in general, like sometimes I almost be like, I want to feel mad or sad today. You know what I mean? And, yeah. I, and, I, and I just don't. I think it's very real. And I think we also then judge ourselves because when we read the news or we watch TV or we read the paper, there is so much tragedy or sadness elsewhere that then there's the guilt of, oh my gosh, I, I don't experience that. But like, I don't think anyone who's sad or in the trenches wishes no. other happy people would jump in the mud with them. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. Yeah. They're like, save yourself. Yeah. <laughs> no, what? Yeah. That's funny. You know? So, I mean, but I totally, I mean, it's, it's, that's the empathy piece yeah. is, you know, oh, I'm so happy and I know someone else today isn't. Yeah. Well, you know, I wish everybody would get this tattoo. It's one of my favorite tattoos and it's just a circle. But you know what it symbolizes? What? That's the Stoic philosophy, the Stoics, the circle of control. And I got this because I constantly look at it and remind myself, if it's not in my control, I drop it. And it's not because I don't care. You know, sure, I'll donate money if I think I can help or whatever, but I'm not going to let anything weigh me down that I can't affect. Yeah. 
And I had, I just had a similar conversation with Dr. Vroon Sony on the podcast where, you know, there is only so much that you can do. And I think it's giving yourself permission once you've done what you are able to. Perfectly said. And you know that I'm glad you clarified that because if you take on every cause in the world, your head will explode. We're going to take a quick pause to talk about Element, one of my favorite sponsors. I am obsessed. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix. It contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio of 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium. And Element is formulated to help everyone with their electrolyte needs. I notice the impact within the first few sips, and that might just be me, but electrolytes facilitate hundreds of functions in the body, hormonal regulation, nutrient absorption, fluid balance, the conduction of nerve impulses, and with all my travel or when I'm working out or if I'm not getting enough sleep, I just sense myself feeling depleted. And honestly, that happens when sodium is not replaced. It's common to experience fatigue and muscle cramps. So whenever I have a headache, I'm feeling fatigued, or I just want to kind of stay up energy-wise, I have Element. My favorite flavor is the raspberry flavor. I also like the orange flavor. And also, pro tip, you can combo flavors. Right now, Element is offering RealPod listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. So you'll get eight single-serving packets for free with any Element order, which is a great way to try all eight flavors because you're going to get all eight flavors in the single-serving packs for free with any element order. So get yours today at drinkelement.com slash realpod. This deal is only available through the RealPod link. So drinkelement, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com slash realpod. Try it today, risk-free. Head to drinkelement.com slash realpod. Today's episode is also sponsored by Cozy Earth. Now listen to this. Cozy Earth has been featured on Oprah's favorites list for four years in a row. Yep, you heard that right. Oprah, favorites list, four years in a row. Cozy Earth develops and crafts high-quality goods with responsibly and sustainably sourced materials from the earth so that you can get the restorative sleep you need to curate your sanctuary and recharge from the comfort of your own home. So Max and I love the Cozy Earth sheets and the bedding because it's temperature regulating, which means it keeps you cool and comfortable all night long. Max hates being overheated at night and I love the covers, so we could not be more opposite. But Cozy Earth has temperature regulating bedding, which means it's perfect for both of us. And get this, there's a hundred night sleep test. That means you can try it for 100 nights. And if you don't love it, you can send it back for a full refund. I love that about Cozy Earth. They have a 10-year warranty on all of their products. And they have provided an exclusive offer for RealPod listeners today for up to 35% off site-wide when you use the code RealPod. That's 35% off site-wide when you use the code RealPod, R-E-A-L-P-O-D, at Cozy Earth when you check out. So if you're looking for the perfect bedding and high-quality goods with responsibly and sustainably sourced materials from the earth, head over to Cozy Earth and use code RealPod. R-E-A-L-P-O-D for up to 35% off site-wide. Shifting gears slightly, you've mentioned a few times your morning routine. I have never had you actually directly to me lay out the morning routine. I've heard bits and pieces from my parents. What's the morning routine? I'm going to tell you, but I want to give you one very sincere compliment first because of what you just said. I truly believe that your legacy is every life you touch. And you don't even need to directly get credit for it. But like, what you've done for the world, if you stop today, would be more than most people would ever do by the time they died, you know? And that is, is what it is really though, you know? It's like anybody could write a check or whatever, but like you are actively changing people's lives and like, and many that you don't even know, right? I'm sure you know of plenty from the comments, but I think that to me is what should be remembered. Having a name, your name in a building or a bench or a street name, who cares? Knowing, and that's what I want to do, a 20 foot circle of joy everywhere I go, trying to just make anybody a little better in some way. That's, you know, the legacy. But, but the morning routine. Love that. All right. I get up 5, 5.30. And that depends on whether I go to bed at 10 or 10.30. And Wait, 10 or 10.30? That's 11.30, 12.30, 1.30, 2.30, 3.30, 4.30. Seven hours? Yeah. I got to have it. But, but, that's a lot. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. yeah. I, I have go to bed at 10.30, but I have to wake up at like 8. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was back in the restaurant days. I'd be doing push-ups in front of the elevator before I went down. I was 24 after working 20 hours and sleeping three, you know. But now it's like I've learned I need my seven hours. I give myself a break on Saturday and Sundays if we have people over or we party or go out or something. But but the general rule is 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 seven hours, 10 to 5, 10.30 to 5.30. I get up. I always say, do not touch your phone. To me, it's like you are just going to muck up the systems before you ever had a chance. Because again, you got to set your mind right. You know, immediately what thoughts you have affect your emotions, which affect your actions, which lay out the course of your entire life. So I will not touch my phone except to look at my notes, which is inspirational. So I read my inspirational ones. And then many guys. What's, gonna, what's one of them? Can you pull out your phone and yeah, give me a few? Yeah, the very first one. I want to get granular because I need to copy yeah, this entire thing. <laughs> you can, and you'll have all, I'll give you all this. But the first one is my superpower is that nothing bothers me, you know? And then I have, I mean, this, oh my gosh, look this at this is list. like the holy grail. It, you can, you Would can you have it. Would you emailing this to me? Uh, with pleasure, with pleasure. And this is literally a compilation of like, Dozens of books, dozens of humans, a random counter attack with a hug. <laughs> there it is. See, and that's why it's top of mind because I read it every morning. You yeah. Know? Here's another one. Negative reaction is weakness. How little does it take to set you off? Mental martial arts. Let it pass. Oh, I love that because that's like, yeah, a strength framework is like, how strong can I be by maintaining my positivity? Yeah. And that's the thing. The ego will make you think strong is fighting back. You know, I believe strength is allowing it to pass, you know. And so I'll read those notes. And then my other one is love Nadia. So every single guys out there, please don't hate me for this. Like, don't make me lose my guy love card. But, Nadia. but I, <laughs> this I, is Jeff's wife, everyone. You must. They're more in love than anyone. Truly. And, and you know, for me, this is part of it. Like every love morning that. I write one thing I love about her because the, the most important relationship advice I would ever give anybody is the second you start making a list of what they're not doing or what's wrong, you're dead because it'll just spiral. Instead, Make a list, whether it's mental or real, of everything you love about them. You know, my theme song is, Nadia, I love you for who you are, not who I want you to be. I didn't marry you to be like me. I married you for you, and I'm not going to forget that, you know, because once you're together, it's so easy to be like, well, this and that. And, that. Mm -hmm. and it's the fact that you're different that makes you so great together, you know, and then I'll write down something I'm grateful for. And I think this morning I wrote utilities. I mean, like, I am. It's like I wake up, I just turn the lights on, water comes out, like. How blessed are we? Like, yeah. you can't ever forget, like, you know, gratitude and optimism is my lifeblood. And again, is any of this perfect? Of course not, but it makes me better. I love this one. It says, I assume the best in all people and situations. That's so sweet. It's just better than the other one. So you're up. It is. So you're up at five or 530. You do your, you journal what you're grateful for. You read some of your inspirational quotes. Yep. Okay. No phone. And yep. then what? Daily Stoic. I've read it the whole book six times now because every day there's just one. Literally, I, I tried stated. to get into that. I don't know. Like it's they're not as to the point as I hear them being on like podcasts and things like that. Am I supposed to do that work? Yeah, no, no, I know. I think, you know, and again, I've read it so many times that I think it keeps resonating. Like I always tell people, you know, if you haven't read that book in a while, read it again because you're not the same person anymore that's going to be reading it. You know, so you'll you'll take things in differently. And again, the beauty of all this is not that somebody should go, all right. No, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I just think the definition of a morning routine should be whatever gives you a little space and time to be peaceful, mm -hmm. to be without thought, and to try to be better for whatever matters to you. And, and that, I think, because I always say, if you set the tone for the day, your armor is thick and everything all day long is ding, ding, ding. If you wake up and you're right into it and you're getting frustrated and you're in that headspace, your armor is like wet Kleenex. And the first negative thing is going to pierce it. You're gushing and, and it's, you don't have a chance, mm -hmm. you know? So I always just want to get ahead of my day. And, and it's that a classic example of sharpening the saw, right? Like it looks like it's taking up so much time, but it's making everything so much faster and better all day. I love it. Okay. So daily stoic. And then the cold dip, the plunge. Oh my God. It is just been the greatest thing in my world. And I'm very sad right now because I plunge this morning and it's like 55 degrees. It's not even cold anymore in LA. So I have to buy one of those plunge units, you know, because I love the thing you want to do least is the thing you should do first in the morning. 
And how long are you in the plunge? Oh gosh, if I'm lucky, I can, when it's cold, I, you know, 60, 90 seconds, if I can stay in, I'm proud of myself, you know? Okay. Love that. Yeah. And then? And then it's, and of course there was a couple of espressos throughout this whole conversation <laughs> as well. And then it's off to the gym. Like, cause if I don't, I'm telling you right now, I don't think I've ever in my life worked out in the afternoon. If I don't work out first thing, it won't happen. I'm the same way. Yeah. And it honestly makes me feel so good going into my day when I do it in the morning. My struggle though is I'm not a morning person. I guess for me, like maybe also I ordered the 5 a.m. club book. Oh, haven't opened it. <laughs> That's priceless. I think I ordered it two years ago. I opened it at midnight and put it back down. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And so part of me is like, okay, I could start to try to do some of these things because even though I love that you said, you know, everyone's thing's going to be different. I do think a lot of what you're describing would work really well for me, but maybe at 730. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's okay. Like I had a friend, I mean, again, no judgment. I had a friend who literally is his best from midnight to like five in the morning. Like that's when he does his stuff. I'm like, I'd be like, uh, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I can't even answer a question at that hour, you know, like not a chance. <laughs> So you got to be who you are, but right. But that morning workout then is epic. Then I'm like fired up. And now, and my philosophy is, and then I go right into my you know business stuff. So my philosophy is by noon, if nothing else happens. I've had a killer day. Like yeah. I've just done it. I've meditated. Oh, and, and then meditation, of course. And with the meditation and all this stuff, I would tell anybody listening that, that might be the least bit interested in any of this is start with like the least amount. Like if you're going to start meditating, do 30 seconds tomorrow. That's it. Because the second you go, I'm going to do 10 minutes, 20 minutes, you're not going to do it. Okay. I have to ask, are there mornings you don't want to do this? And what do you do? You know, <laughs> Do you what, do them on Saturday and Sunday? You know what? I will tell you Saturday and Sunday, not always. Because by the time I get up Saturday and Sunday, Nadi's usually up too. Like I'll sleep till 7 or 7.30 on the weekend. And then, you know, I just want to be with her and make her breakfast, do what we're going to do. So not always on the weekend. The meditation always, but not always the rest of it. But here's what's funny. And I really believe this. And I got to believe you've experienced this with all you've accomplished. I really believe what I said earlier. Everything starts off with knowledge and then you got to force it to be a routine. But then all of a sudden there's this tipping point when it becomes a ritual. And that's when you can't be without it. Mm -hmm. And that's the magic. Like when it, when it's a force, you know, cause in the beginning, everything I do is like forced, you know, it's like, ah, I'm doing it cause I know it's right. But when you get to the ritual phase, then it's like, you look forward to it. Like if I don't work out, I'm, I'm just like annoyed. Yeah. And you know what? That is something I've been discovering as I have more of these conversations is, oh, yeah, being happy takes work. <laughs> Bravo. That is the, you can end like, the podcast right here. That by itself is the point. I mean, every, it's no different than anything else. It takes work. And people think it should be natural. It's not natural. It's right. a I lot mean, of effort. People probably do. They're like, you know, this guy's always happy. And you're like, I'm waking up at 5 or 5.30 every morning. I do like, how many, what's your total morning routine time? Like, is it an hour, two hours? It's So if I'm up at 5, 5.30, I'm at the gym by 7. So that first part, the reading, the meditating, the things is, is yeah. an hour and so 20. So you're spending 90 minutes That's to it. get in the framework to allow yourself the opportunity to be positive. Wow. I mean, Jeff, you're, you're a rock star. You're the best. This was like, I'm so glad that we did not do this at some random lunch. We yeah. did it on the air because yes. now I can listen to it again as Yay. well. You're Thank awesome. you so much. Oh, and you kidding? I'm honored. Yeah. And I do think like it is, there is so much power in where you come from because you're coming from extreme. No one, no one has a better story around the dinner table about <laughs> their parents when they were young, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you really did go into the complete opposite direction and have shown that you don't have to be a victim of your circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. I really think you don't, you know. And before I let you go, my mom will literally hate me if I don't ask you a few cooking yeah, questions, I love it. which I want to know oh, too. Lady, okay. Thank you, darling. Real quick. What's an easy entree that is not hard to make, but really like impressive. Like if I'm hosting, you don't have to walk me through how to make it, but like what's something you'd be like, do this and... Here's how you'd spice it up. I'm a big fan, especially if you're like not super comfortable in the kitchen, stews. Because the great thing about stews is you can serve it in this beautiful, you know, La Crusade pot or whatever. So it's gorgeous presentation. It's already cooked and done. And if you do it the day ahead, it just tastes better the next day. And then you're done. It's like everyone loves stews. Serve a little, you know, Israeli couscous with it or some roasted potatoes. And <laughs> Sounds so easy. Love yes. it. I can't wait. And then lastly, how do you make the best scrambled eggs? Oh, that's a lady knows me. That's my favorite, you know, because everyone likes eggs. Most people. Right. But like, honestly, it's eggs can be a tragic story. Like they're, they're probably like if food could talk. They'd be like, people get it right and let me shine. Stop ruining me. <laughs> that's so true. It's like so the key is this is one place where anybody out there like that's avoiding butter. I'm sorry, but like you got to have some butter in the pan. OK, love that. Although my daughter has shown me and it works. Avocado oil, the spray works really well, too. 
One tablespoon of water per egg, pinch of salt. Water, not milk. Yes. Why? Because eggs are already so decadent. You know, they're like, to me, they're like the best sauce you could ever make the yolks. So they're already so decadent. What water does is the second it hits the hot pan, it steams. So it fluffs the eggs. It lightens them. I mean, you already got the butter. You already have the egg yolk. You don't really need dairy on top of it. I mean, if you want. And how much butter? So I'll use like a, uh, and that's a little, little tip, by the way, like I've done that on my Instagram is you just cut a block of butter up into little squares. I'd say each square is about a little more than a teaspoon. And that way, all you have to do is reach in the fridge and grab a square instead of cutting it every time. Oh, I love mess. that. Genius. Cubed butter. Yeah. I've been a chef for 40 years and people like best is my cube butter. Like, okay, <laughs> there we are. But yeah, so a cube of butter in the pan. So if it's two eggs, a cube of butter, a cube for each couple eggs. Melt the butter, but don't let it get brown yet. Just melt it. And then you just pour in that whisk What are we egg. cooking on a medium, a light heat? So here, that's a great, the most important question. All right, I do a medium high heat, but the key is you got to keep it moving. So you need a rubber spatula, one of the heat proof rubber spatulas. The second you pour it in, you start stirring. Scrape the sides of the pan, then sweep the bottom of the pan, fold it over, keep it moving. Because what eggs hate is the second they sit in one place and get heat, you get that sulfur flavor. You never want to see any of those little crispy bits of eggs because that's when it gets Wait, the Wait, that's so my favorite part. Oh, really? I like a burnt egg. A well done Recipe egg. two, crisp those edges for victory. <laughs> no, but I mean, listen, again, that's what I would say about wine. Well, hey, I've never had a good egg, like? so that's, yeah. I don't know. But if you keep them moving, they're light, they're fluffy. And with all cooking in addition to eggs, stop when it's undercooked because the residual heat finishes the cooking. I always joke, people have never had moist, juicy chicken because they always wait until they can cut into it and it's perfectly white and guaranteed <laughs> yeah. cooked. And then by the time it sits, you eat it, it's going to be dry. So it's that residual heat, letting things rest, trusting that it'll finish cooking. My, my mouth is watering. You we'll just do a describing. cooking one next time. That would be fun for sure. I would love that. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. Thank you. You're amazing. This, you're amazing. And I so appreciate you coming on RealPod. Truly. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week seeing behind-the-scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.